changes. What's the Word? Brought to you by Columbia Baptist Church in Columbia, Kentucky on 101.9 WAIN. I am Randy Johnson, the senior pastor at Columbia Baptist Church, and thank you for joining us every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock right here on 101.9 WAIN. Welcome to this April the 3rd edition of What's the Word? I cannot believe that three months have already passed of 2019, but here we are, April 3rd, 6 p.m. I'm glad that you've joined me for What's the Word tonight. I'm Randy Johnson, Senior Pastor at Columbia Baptist Church, and so thankful that you have taken time out of your day to listen to my thoughts on things that happen around the world, things that may be happening in your world, things that may have just crashed around you or thrown upon you, or maybe just things that you hear from time to time and you think, what does the Bible say about that? Or how can I see the world with this particular story or this certain thing that's happening in my life? How can I see the world the way that God wants me to see it? And how can I look into the world through the lens of Scripture? And so that's really what my whole show is all about. And so from time to time, I will have certain themes of the show. I'll have certain issues or topics or, you know, just certain things that I want to bring to you then and bring to your attention and share what the Bible says. But as I was preparing for the show tonight, a common theme arose in some of the stories that I was finding that I wanted to comment on and some of the different topics that I wanted to share. And really the the theme of the show tonight is, are you serious? The more that I read of things that happen in the world and things that happen to people or decisions that are made, that just seems to be a very common reaction that I have. Are you serious? And tonight is no different because honestly, there are different segments of the show that I brought to you that are are pretty serious and topics that I brought to you that are serious in nature. And then there are some that just are silly or just ridiculous and tonight is just filled with some some ridiculousness and some seriousness so it'll be a balanced show and i hope that you are already preparing yourself to be amazed by some of the silliness and the confusion that is out there well to begin the show i have to say that if i was given a choice as a pastor to perform a wedding or to preach a funeral message, I would preach a funeral message every single day and I would never think twice. It's not that I have had terrible experiences doing weddings. It's just that the more weddings that I do, the less that the couple and the families involved really want it to be a Christ-honoring and, and God-honoring ceremony. And besides all of that, there's so much stuff that has to happen for a 20 to 30-minute uh, wedding service. I mean, it it almost defies logic that you have to have candles and flowers and and flower girls and ring bearers and 15 attendants on each side of the bride and the groom and you've got to have the parents walk in the grandparents walk in that you know and you have to change the music up you have video people you have photography people and it's you know it just it makes me laugh when i think of all that goes into a 20 to 30 minute wedding ceremony and really i think nowadays with especially with social media and the way that people gravitate toward pictures i really think that most weddings are done just for the pictures and it almost seems like my part as a pastor could be done in my office on a thursday afternoon and then they could do all the pictures the flowers the music and all that stuff without me but that's not how it is however i did hear of a story of a bride who demanded more money after one of her guests gave her a pathetic gift. Now, this particular bride has expensive tastes, to say the least. This happened, this wedding happened in Australia, and the wedding guest who gave a pathetic gift, according to the bride, 
felt as though the bride had unrealistic expectations. In fact, the bride charged people $250 per person, so $500 a couple to come to just to attend the wedding. And the bride apparently expected gifts that were in keeping with that price tag. So if you pay $500 as a couple to go to this lady's wedding, she was expecting a $500 gift on top of the $500 that you paid just for your presence at her glorious wedding. Well, the attendant, the the guest gave a candle, a large candle that was $75. In fact, it was a designer candle. And apparently the bride had requested, specifically requested this $75 designer candle. But the bride called the guest after going through and opening all the gifts and seeing this pathetic candle that cost $75. And she was deeply offended And she told the guest that she did not consider it to be a real gift. And she said that even though the candle, you know, was $75, it wasn't even the actual candle that she wants. She said, quote, it's not the biggest one. There apparently was a $150 designer candle that Mrs. Bridezilla wanted for her wedding. And she made it abundantly clear that her disappointment was costing or was going this this uh, gift and her disappointment was going to cost them their friendship. And it's no wonder. Uh, it's no wonder that after paying five hundred dollars to go to your wedding, which in and of itself is ridiculous. Uh, in fact, I. I don't know that I've ever preached a wedding or led a wedding ceremony where the guests were charged to attend. Um, that That's a new phenomenon to me. And so if that's a new thing, you can email me and tell me. My email address is randy at columbiababtist.com. I'd love to know how many weddings you've paid to attend. Trust me, every wedding that I have performed, I paid dearly to be there with my time, my attention, my smile. Uh, and, and and don't get me wrong. I, I want to just clarify, weddings can be, should be beautiful. And I have been a part of some amazing weddings of people that I love and, uh, you know, friends, family. I'm, I'm being silly uh, about saying the thing about the wedding. but uh, But if there is too much of this kind of attitude of the the bridezilla type uh my goodness it's a wonder that anybody showed up to her wedding friends family uh different uh, you know associates people that she worked with or that the the groom worked with but it's just a wonder that with that kind of taste that anybody would want to go to the wedding. Of course, I I assume that if you get invited and you think it's going to be the 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 place to be, you know, the the grand affair for the year, then I guess $500 as a couple is peanuts compared to missing out on this great opportunity to be at this luxurious wedding. However, my $500 would have stayed in my pocket, and especially I wouldn't have bought a $75 designer candle, nor would I have purchased the 150 bigger candle that she really wanted. But anyway, after the phone call, of course, the the one one time friend and the bride who is, uh, you know, opening all these gifts and just amazed at how wonderful her other friends are, was so disappointed that they broke off the friendship, and it is no longer. So, I don't I don't know what to tell you I, other than to say, in the eyes of God. And when two people, a a man and wife, desire to be married, really what matters the most is that you have the people who are closest to you, that you have a time set aside where it's going to be not only memorable, but it's going to be special. And what's going to mark that moment the most is your commitment to Christ and your commitment to one another to have and to hold each other from that day forward. And and certainly by just the materialism that existed in this wedding, not only the price tag to attend, but the criticism for 
what I would consider a $75 wedding gift would be, uh, should be fairly nice. I mean, I, I know that there are a lot of gifts on registries when you're talking China and you're talking some household things that are more expensive than $75. But if this lady had a $75 designer candle on her registry, you know that she had some thousand upon thousand dollar items on there that she expected as well. But at the end of the day, your wedding, and and this goes to those of you that are engaged or hope to be engaged one day, uh, your wedding should be about Jesus. Your wedding should be about each other. Your wedding should be about having your close friends and your family members there to see you make a commitment to each other in front of this opportunity to display not only your love, but your commitment to each other in the eyes of God, and in a way that honors Christ. And so I just, I don't know what to tell you about this wedding other than materialism, I think, got the best of this lady. And unfortunately, her reputation uh, is such that with this story, and I'm sure people that went to the wedding know that, my goodness, uh, when your gift just isn't good enough, I suppose she's willing to cancel out a friendship for the sake of a designer candle. I just, I have to say, when I read stories like this, I have to say, are you serious? Are you serious? Well, I have read many other stories and I have come across some things that, that really just make me scratch my head. And, you know, here we are in Columbia, Kentucky. It's, it's where I live, at Pastor Columbia Baptist Church, right in the heart of Adair County. I don't go to Burger King that often. Um, it's not that I don't enjoy their food. Um, I just try not to go to a lot of fast food places. And when I do, I try not to get hamburgers. I, I usually, just because of the saturated fat and cholesterol and that kind of thing, I usually try to go, if I'm going to go someplace, uh, and Burger King included, I'll try to get, you know, at best something like a grilled chicken sandwich or something like that. But Burger King apparently is leading the market, believe it or not, in a meatless Whopper. Yes, they now have what is called a impossible Whopper, an impossible Whopper that is made with 100% no beef. Now, Burger King has been looking forward to unveiling the 100% no beef Whopper for some time, and in it's starting. I mean, they, they are starting with 59 locations to introduce it, I believe, St. Louis. They started just the other day unveiling it in the St. Louis area, which is not that far from here. So it's going to start going. It's going to start to spread. Uh, they said that 7,200 locations, if the trial goes well, that all 7,200 locations of Burger King are going to have the Impossible Whopper, the 100% Whopper, zero percent beef. Uh, they said that customers and employees cannot tell the difference between the regular Whopper and the Impossible Whopper. And they said that it's uh, a meat-free burger. It's going to cost customers about a dollar more than the beef version. Uh, it'll still be topped with mayonnaise, of course, which you know vegans don't like. But they are really high on it. In fact, they said that the Impossible Whopper has 15% less fat which I would have thought a meatless Whopper would have been far less in fat than just 15%, but it also has 90% less cholesterol than a standard Whopper. So I suppose if you're in the market for and interested in a meat-free Whopper, a meat-free burger, then just hope and pray that the Burger King near you will catch the meatless Whopper, the impossible Whopper, and that it will all of a sudden become a thing. Uh, it says in the article that I read that, in fact, White Castle even is going to unveil this type of impossible Whopper meatless patty. I don't even know what you call it. I, you know, I, I don't know what it consists of other than it says soybean, you know, soybean roots is, is what is primarily going to make up this impossible Whopper. 
And I suppose the reason why they call it the impossible whopper instead of the meatless whopper is it's uh, it's used and in, in it's produced by impossible foods. Uh, that company, again, is already available at White Castle. So if you live near a White Castle and that's your type of thing, uh, I suppose I suppose it's a better option. I mean, I can't honestly say that, that White Castle is high on anybody's list, but uh, but I suppose it would be a better option. It says in the article that it's developed, the Impossible Foods developed this burger in an attempt to reduce the world's reliance on animal agriculture. And the Impossible Burger avoids the health issues and ethical concerns related to meat consumption while producing just a fraction of the related greenhouse gases. Are you serious? I mean, a meatless burger? I mean, come on. I know that people are in our country are trying to be as green as possible and trying to be as energy efficient and animal friendly. But I do think that Americans need to realize that the amount of food that we consume is already too high fast food or otherwise, you, you go to other countries and you realize that Americans have an obesity rate that is higher than, than other countries, and it's just ridiculous. And primarily it's because it's not necessarily because we eat worse food, but we just eat a lot more of it. And, and on top of that, we do have fast food, and fast food, of course, is in lots of countries, but the portion size of what we have is is outrageous. So to know that we have to resort to a non-beef burger to cut calories and to cut cholesterol, you know, I'm I'm just looking at it like just stop going. You know, just stop buying that kind of stuff. You know, start eating something that is far more nutritious and and much better for you and a lot less saturated in fat. And, you know, start eating things that are much cleaner and healthier rather than saying, no, I'm still going to go to Burger King. I'm still going to get fries and I'm still going to get some kind of, you know, Coke or Pepsi product with my meal, which that's not all that healthy for you as well. But the one healthy thing is that I'm going to get a meatless Whopper. You know, it's the old joke of saying I'm going to go to McDonald's, get a Big Mac, a large fry, and a Diet Coke uh, because I'm trying to cut my calories. Honestly, people, if you're really trying to cut, then, you know, the Whopper's not the way to go, and the meatless Whopper with the side of fries and the and, and the large Coke is not the way to go either. But, I, you know, I read stuff like that, and I think, my goodness, um, I, I know that there are better ways for us to be healthy. Um, but, you know, Burger King, you have to give it to them. At least they're trying. You know, at least they're trying to put a product out there that is healthier and better for you. And, of course, you know, they're trying to make money. They're trying to keep their business alive. I have to tell you, though, when I read stories like this, I think – you know, what's the real heart of the issue? What, no pun intended, what, what's the real heart of the matter? When you get down to the root of the problem, the root of the problem so oftentimes, it, and it goes back to what the Bible teaches us about our consumption of things. And too many times, and I don't mean to spiritualize everything, I'm not saying that, that eating fast food or eating, you know, some things that you enjoy are altogether bad. But what I am saying is sometimes the smarter choice would be to eat less or to eat differently rather than to, to again, keep going down this path of, well, I'm still going to eat fries that are cooked in grease. I'm still going to eat or drink a, a product that has hundreds of calories in it, but I'm going to do myself a favor and I'm going to get a meatless Whopper. Uh, again, maybe there are far better choices than that, and maybe that is the best choice uh, that Burger King has to offer. But I do think that as we examine the things we put in our body, we all, all of us, need to be more aware of those 
calories and the saturated fat and the things that it does to our body. Uh, because the best gift that we can give to ourselves and really to our friends and our family is our health. And if there are things that are going on inside your body that you can't control, you know, there are all sorts of diseases and, and things that happen to us. And there's honestly no explanation for why those things happen. But if there are choices that we can make, that are better for us and more beneficial to our health, then we ought to make those. And we need to be aware of what we're putting in our body. And, and again, I'm not faulting Burger King for trying to put out a healthier product than their, their Whopper. Uh, and as in fact, you know, on a lot of levels, I applaud them for giving it a shot and seeing if this thing will catch on. And I know that companies from time to time will try to make potato chips that are lower in saturated fat so you still get the same taste but you get lower fat you know you have different drinks and things like that like a diet coke or coke zero that are you know calorie free but still have great taste or whatever i'm just saying that when it comes down to it if i say well what's better for me a coke zero or water then honestly i should choose water and if i'm making honestly if i'm making the best choice for my body and for my health i really need to think twice about these things i'm putting in uh, in my mouth so again it was just kind of a are you serious moment that i had when i read that and you know and in a lot of ways again i'm not faulting people for trying to be healthy in that way, I just I want to encourage you to make the healthiest choices and the best choices that you can. I remember whenever we were expecting our three children, and each individually we went to the Bible to see what we were going to name them. And uh, we, you know, my wife and I, that was just what we decided to do, that we were going to choose biblical names that had some kind of a meaning, something that would be you know, able to pass on something that would would have some significance to our children as they got older. Well, you know that over the years, there have been some very interesting names of children, and some of these kids, you just have to feel bad for them. Uh, I thought that the silliest one that I had ever heard actually came in 14th on a list that I came across the other day of the craziest most ridiculous celebrity baby names. The name that I thought was one of the most ridiculous that I had heard in a long time was 14th on that list, and that was the first name Apple. Apple Martin. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is an actress. Her daughter Apple is now 14. And 14 years ago when Little Miss Apple was born and we all heard that Apple was going to be the child's name, I just thought that has to be one of the silliest things I've ever heard. Uh, I just can't imagine naming a child a fruit, you know, watermelon or orange or, you know, apple or lemon or whatever. I just, it just didn't make any sense. However, I found a list of the craziest, most ridiculous celebrity baby names and the ones that are higher on the list than Apple Martin are really going to make you say, are you serious? I mean, you ask, if you could ask these parents, and they're all celebrities, if you could ask these parents, what were you thinking? Why did you think that that would be a good name for your child that they're going to have to endure for the rest of their life? What were you thinking? Well, here are some of the names on the list. Now, I mentioned that Apple is 13th on the list. Don't get me wrong, or 14th on the list. I'm not going to tell you the other 13 because some of the, honestly, some of these I can't even pronounce. But number 13 on the list is an eight-year-old with the parents Jamie Oliver and Juliet Norton, and the name of the eight-year-old is Buddy Bear Maurice Oliver. They also have a child number 12 on the list. So brother and sister ages eight and nine are 12 and 13 on this list. Sister's name is Petal Blossom Rainbow Oliver. Uh, I don't know which is, which is uh, the more cruel name, Petal Blossom Rainbow Oliver or Buddy Bear Maurice Oliver. I think I'm going to go with Petal Blossom Rainbow Oliver. 
at least the boy can can go by Buddy, uh, go by Maurice, go by BB, you know. But when your name is Petal Blossom Rainbow, you don't have a shot in kindergarten. You have no chance whatsoever in grade school. Um, that, that's just oh, it's so mean. Um, uh, number ten on the list. Uh, the child is, I say child, the, the grown adult is now 35, but the child of Bob Geldof and Paula Yates, I don't know these quote-unquote celebrities, but the name is Fifi Trixie Bell Geldof. Fifi Trixie Bell. Uh, it could be worse, I suppose. Uh, John and Elaine Mellencamp, you know John Mellencamp, a uh, singer, they named their child Speck Wild Horse Mellencamp. Boy, oh my stars! That's some something Speck Speck Wild Horse. What's up, Speck? I just I, I couldn't I just couldn't name my child Speck. I, it's it just seems. And then Michael uh, Michael Hutchins and Paula Yates. So apparently Paula Yates has a thing for ridiculous names. Uh, because she had a child some years later with a different guy named Michael Hutchins. Now get this. This and the, the, her daughter is now 22 years old. Heavenly Hiranning Tiger Lily Hutchins Geldof. That's the child's name. Heavenly Hirani Tiger Lily Hutchins Geldof. Wow, six names. Uh, just terrible. Not that long ago, Kanye West, who is an artist, a music artist, and Kim Kardashian, who is famous for no reason, they had a child called North West. <laughs> yes, first name North, last name West. She's a direction, apparently, um, on, the, on a compass. Ah, wow. Um, number four on the list is an 18 year old. So now she's into adulthood. Her parents are Jermaine Jackson and, uh, his wife, I, th I think wife at the time, uh, Alejandra, and they named their daughter, Jer Majesty, Jer Majesty Jackson, J E R Majesty, Jer Majesty Jackson. I hope she lived up to that princess name. Well, I know you want to know what the top three are. Uh, number three on the list, this, this girl is 15 years old. Jason Lee and Beth Risegraff are the happy parents of 15-year-old Pilot Inspector Lee. Yes, her name is Pilot Inspector Lee. It only gets worse from here, folks. Number two on the list, Moxie Crime Fighter Gillette. Her parents are Penn Gillette and Emily Zoltan. She's 13 years old, so Moxie Crime Fighter Gillette is now in middle school. I wonder how that name is working out for her. And number one on the list of the craziest, most ridiculous celebrity baby names. The parents are Shannon Sossaman and Dallas Clayton. And they named their baby girl, who is now 16, Audio Science Clayton. Audio Science Clayton. I have heard of some crazy names, and I have met people that I've had to ask them, how do you spell that? But I have honestly never met anybody that has any of these names. These are complete, made-up, I would say ridiculous, borderline on ridiculous. But, you know, it's your kid. And these children can change their name when they get older, and I really hope that they did. You know, a name, speaking of being what's the word on the, on the show and what does the Bible say about names, you know, in Bible times, the name was one of the most important things given to a child because it, it really was a name that summarized their life. And you have people like, like Jacob in the Bible who God changed his name to Israel. Uh, there are people like Abram whose name was changed to Abraham or, you know, you have Saul who was named, renamed Paul. At significant moments in their life, their names were changed to reflect a serious and drastic change in their life and in their personality and their walk with God. 
And, you know, some of these names I see on this list, I'm, I'm sure there's a story behind them, and I don't know what the stories are. I just know that the names come across as, uh, as the name of the article says, they're just crazy and ridiculous. But I just have to ask these parents, are you serious that this is the name that you're going to stick with your child for the rest of their life? And I'll give you an example. When it came to Lee and I naming our firstborn, we knew it was a boy, and we wanted to name him Nathaniel because in John chapter 1, Jesus sees Nathaniel walking toward him, and he says, here comes an Israelite in whom there is nothing false. And I said to Lee, I said, I want my son to be uh, one that has a great reputation, who is truthful and full of truth, and in whom there is nothing false. And so that was the reason that we gave him that name. Anna was a name that was given, or that was. Uh, we gave our daughter the name Anna because in Luke chapter 2, there was a prophetess named Anna who spent her entire life praying in the temple for the coming of the Messiah. And we wanted our daughter to be a woman of prayer. And so we named her Anna after the woman in the Bible. And of course, our third child, our second son named Caleb, we named him Caleb because the, the Bible says that Caleb in the Old Testament and, and Caleb in the Old Testament, by the way, is the only person given in the entire Bible who it is said of him that he served God with his whole heart. And those are the words that, that are descriptive of Caleb in the Old Testament. And so we wanted to have a son who named after someone who served God with his whole heart, knowing and, and hoping and praying that our son would follow in that, in that way as well. And so, you know, when you think about naming a child and you think about giving this name that you hope will stick and really make a difference and really have an impact, I just cannot believe that some of these parents would give their name, uh, give this name, you know, to their child. Um, some of them, again, to just make me laugh and shake my head. But hopefully your name is reflective of who you are and hopefully your personality is seen in your name. And hopefully as you name your children, that they live up to the name that you give to them and that they make you proud. Uh, again, the, the theme of the show is, are you serious? And I just continue to find things. And, and, you know, when I was a kid, the only internet we had in the house was the World Book Encyclopedia set. You know, my parents invested in an encyclopedia set, and that was our Google. That was our Internet. If we had any question about anything, uh, we would first of all look it up in the World Book Encyclopedia and see if it existed there. Now, the Internet is flooded with ridiculousness, and there are so many things on the Internet that just make you shake your head. Um, I saw a article the other day, and unfortunately for you, uh, listening on radio, you don't get to see these pictures. However, if you find anything that I'm about to tell you interesting and of value and of worth, you just go straight to the internet and you can pull it up and, and know that I'm not making these things up. But I saw an article the other day that had pictures that show you how weird history really was. So history, there are things that people have done hundreds or or a hundred years ago i shouldn't say hundreds of years ago but but a hundred years ago that were captured on film that just show you that that people have always done weird and ridiculous stuff and and it doesn't seem possible you know some of these things that i found on this list which i, I won't bore you with all of them but it actually showed in 1905 a picture of Geronimo, yes, the Native American uh, chief, Geronimo, driving a car in 1905. Who in the world would have ever thought that a Native American full headdress, full gear, war paint, uh, two other Native Americans in the back seat, here he is driving a car through a field. But yet that that exists, you know, on, on the internet. You can find that uh, somewhere. 
Uh, I saw a picture in 1924 of a game of human chess. They had what looks like a soccer field, and they have a, a chess board painted on the field and people standing you know, in place of where the chess pieces would go, even guys on horses uh, for those chess pieces. I saw a picture in 1960. New Yorkers are enjoying a swim mobile. It was literally a swimming pool that was pulled by a truck. And in 1960, apparently you could, in New York, you could jump in the swim mobile and you could swim and enjoy the water while they drove you around town. That seems like a really dumb idea to me. One of my favorites, and I say that sarcastically, sarcastically, is in 1923, two men were testing a bulletproof vest. And yes, they are shooting a gun at each other's chest to show that the bulletproof vest worked. You know, you literally only have one shot at that, and I, I that is a pun intended. And if it doesn't work, there's only one way to find that out. Um, I mean, why don't you strap a bulletproof vest to a tree? Uh, you know, put it up against a rock. I mean, put it, lay it on the ground and shoot it. But why wear a bulletproof vest? and encourage someone to shoot at you just to prove that your bulletproof vest worked. If it doesn't go through the tree to which it is strapped, I'll believe that it works. But I don't have to see somebody shoot another dude in the chest and see that my bulletproof vest worked because he didn't die. Are you serious? Goodness, I don't understand why people do what they do. 1922, they had shoes designed to disguise a moonshiner's footprints. You know what they put on the bottom of these shoes? They were cow shoes, and so the the imprints look like a cow's hoof. And so they designed these shoes so that the bottoms of these shoes look like cow hoofs so that that's what they would leave the imprint in the ground instead of their own footprint for moonshiners. Wow. I mean, you have to give it to them for being inventive, I suppose, but who thinks of this kind of stuff? Uh, there's a picture in 1939 of Pontiac's glass car, uh, a, a car with the outside frame made out of glass. You know, it looks cool. You can see the inside. You can see the, the frame inside the car. You can see the engine. But what happens when you hit a pothole or if a rock comes flying at you? I mean, it's one thing to crack your windshield. It's another thing to crack the whole side of the car or to shatter it, for that matter. That's such a ridiculous idea. 1936, there is a picture of policemen uh, racing motorcycle chariots. Yes, instead of horses, they had two motorcycles and they were strapped to a a chariot bucket in the back. They were inside of that and racing motorcycle chariots. You know, if a wheel turned the wrong way, my goodness, you are messed up. Uh, this one made me laugh. 1930, there's a picture of a police officer judging ankles in an ankle competition. These ladies are back behind a screen, and all you can see is about halfway down their shin to their ankle. They're all wearing the exact same kind of shoes, and apparently it was some kind of an ankle competition. In 1930, I'm sure that was somewhat risque, but it just looks silly because the police officer is judging these, and he's got a big old grin on his face. Another picture is 1920 students learning to swim without water. That's right, you heard it. Learn to swim without water. Are you serious? I mean, is it that difficult to find a body of water to learn to swim in? That you have to learn to swim without getting in the water? Well, the weirdest one came from 1865. They showed an Egyptian street vendor selling mummies. Yes, he's sitting on the side of the street selling mummified people. My question is, what on earth do you do with that? Why would somebody buy a wrapped up skeleton of somebody you don't even know and bring it to your house and what in the world are you going to do with it? 
I just, I, I looked at that and I thought, are you serious? Back in 1865, people didn't have anything better to do with their money than to buy a mummified person that they don't even know from a dude sitting on the side of the road. But you know, people spend money on the strangest stuff. And apparently back in 1865, they did back then as well. You know, I think all of us need to be careful because we could be part of history. There's some of the ridiculous stuff that you might do or have done that, you know, you think, well, when I did all of my silly stuff, you know, Facebook didn't exist and the internet didn't exist. And there's no proof of all the silly stuff that I've done. But, you know, thankfully, we serve a God that no matter how ridiculous our past, we serve the one true and living God who is able and willing to forgive all of our unrighteousness, no matter how ridiculous it might seem to somebody else or how embarrassing it is to us. When we turn from our sin and we trust in Christ and we confess that sin to him, the Bible teaches us that God covers that sin in the blood of Jesus Christ and that sacrifice of Jesus, that death that he died on the cross is sufficient to take away the wrath and the penalty of our sin that all of our mistakes, all of our sin carries. And we serve a great God who is full of grace and mercy and truth. And so honestly, no matter what is in your past, ridiculous, embarrassing, or otherwise, just know that whether there is video proof or scientific proof or photography proof of anything that you've done, you know without any hesitation that God loves you enough to forgive you no matter what that is. You know, I came across a story that is honestly a great segue from what I just shared with you. And I want to tell you at this point in the show that I always enjoy getting feedback from people that listen, enjoy the podcast, enjoy the radio show. Um, and, and let me just share and just say before I get to the final segment of the show that if you do have any feedback, if you ever have any suggestions or thoughts or ideas about anything that you hear or would like to hear on this show called What's the Word, my email address is randy at columbiabaptist.com. I would love to hear from you, would love to get feedback from you. And in fact, every Thursday, this show airs live on Wednesday night, of course, at 6 o'clock. And every Thursday morning, I will upload the one-hour show that, that you're hearing right now, and I will put that on my podcast. And on the podcast, there are also other segments, other messages that I've preached. There are some other things that I have uploaded there. And the name of the podcast that you can find is called Walk This Way. And you can find Walk This Way on Google, Spotify, iTunes, Pocket Cast. There's all sorts of, I think there's about 10 or 12 different platforms and apps that carry Walk This Way. Or the easiest way to hear it is you can just go straight to the web address, which is anchor.fm backslash walk this way. You type that into your browser on your computer and you'll see all the different episodes of this show of sermons that I've preached on Sundays. You'll find all kinds of other podcasts that I have uploaded over the last uh, almost year on there. Some of them are 10 to 12 minutes long. This show is always an hour, so you can find all of that content, and you can find it at Walk This Way. And so I want to encourage you to do that and find even more material than what you're hearing just right now. Because each episode that I do of What's the Word usually has some kind of a theme. And as I said, the, the theme for tonight is, are you serious? And one of the things that I want to bring to your attention comes from a young lady named Abby Johnson. Now, Abby and I are not kin, as far as I know. We're not related. But Abby has a story that is being told right now and is coming through the, the field of Hollywood and, and through 
the landscape of abortion rights in our country. And Abby's story is this. She worked for eight years at Planned Parenthood, which they not only fund, but they also provide sources for and provide the the means for having an abortion. And Abby Johnson's story is after working for eight years at Planned Parenthood, where she served as a volunteer and then as a director, and she actually ran an entire clinic for eight years and had all of these abortions scheduled for that time as running these clinics. Her story is, and the movie that has just recently been made, written uh, that came from the book that she wrote called Unplanned, she walked into the room where an abortion was being conducted. And she saw on the screen something that frightened her and something that went against everything that she had been telling young ladies for eight years, which was very simply that, that the fetus inside the mother's womb could not feel pain and that it was a simple procedure, that, that it would be pain-free to the fetus and that it would be you know no problem. When she walked in and she saw an ultrasound picture of the abortion actually taking place and she saw the reaction of the fetus and she saw what happened when she actually with her own eyes after all these years of what she told women that walked into her clinic and she actually told or saw rather the opposite of what she had been telling these women she quit working within a week now she was raised the the information I have says that she was raised as a Southern Baptist, but she walked away from the Southern Baptist Church because it did not support her beliefs that women should be allowed to have abortions. And then after seeing with her own eyes what actually happened in an abortion, she quit Planned Parenthood within a week and started a ministry to workers that work for not just Planned Parenthood, but but other abortion agencies and other abortion clinics to try to encourage them to walk away from that profession and personally giving her own story as to how painful it was for her once she realized what was happening in an abortion clinic. Now, I find it disheartening that it took eight years for Abby Johnson to realize what actually took place in an abortion and that she was that willing to tell women some story that she had been fed about an abortion that was just not true. But I don't know how abortion clinics are run. I don't know to what degree she was allowed as a non-medical professional back into the room where these actually took place. But perhaps with rules, regulations, whatever it might have been, perhaps she was fed some lie. She fed that lie to other women and was never able to see until that drastic day when she finally laid eyes onto the screen and saw through the ultrasound what happened when an actual abortion was taking place and she was shocked, she was horrified, she quit working there, she ran out of that place, and now as a believer and as a woman leading other women to honor God with their bodies is now a pro-life activist. This movie that has just recently come out, it's called Unplanned, and it even stars a young lady who had been somewhat pro-life, she says, but never realized the depth to which she needed to protect life in the womb. And in fact, in an interview, the lady that is the, the, the lead for in this movie, uh, her name is Ashley Bratcher. Ashley says that she never felt like she personally would have an abortion, but she, before this movie, would never tell someone not to. But now, as a result of playing Abby Johnson in this movie, based on Abby's book, she is a pro-life advocate as well. And when she read the script, when Ashley Bratcher read the script and, and was 
testing for this movie to see if she was the right fit. Her mother, Ashley Bratcher, the actor, actress, gave, uh, got some news from her mother that when her mom was 16 years old, that she had an abortion. And that three years later, when at 19 years old, that she found herself pregnant again with Ashley, that she knew that she could not have another abortion. And that's how Ashley came into the world. And Ashley did not know that until she read the script for this movie. And she said it was absolutely heartbreaking to hear not only the pain and the shame that her mother had been hiding all this year and had never told her, but now felt as though because of this movie, because of this role, because of this book that has come out, because of the testimony and the ministry of Abby Johnson, that now that she needs to also be an advocate for pro-life. I understand the argument in my head that a woman's body belongs to her. However, I also understand in my head and in my heart that it is not just an issue of a woman's body. It is the issue of a life that is formed and is currently forming inside the mother's womb that is precious and valuable and a gift from God. And since God makes no mistakes, there may be some pregnancies. In fact, there may be many pregnancies that are quote-unquote unplanned. And there may be many couples out there struggling with the concept of raising a child before they feel as though they're ready. They may not feel financially ready. They may not feel spiritually ready. They may be through, not through with school or not even through high school or not quite financially to the point where they wanted to be before their first child came into the world. Or it could very simply be a, a, an unwed mother who finds herself expecting. And there may be far more pregnancies in the world that are unplanned than any of us realize. However, when that process begins and when life begins inside the mother's womb, it is a life that is formed and fashioned and knit together by the hands of God. There's no other way to explain it. It is a life that is not only precious to God, but one that will have a soul, a life that is going to come into the world with its own unique fingerprint, with its own personality, with, with his or her own uh, identity and, and uniqueness that God has given it in the womb that it will bless the world with once it is born. And there are so many families on the planet and especially in America, that find themselves in the unable-to-have-children mode that they have been in for so long. And they've gone through all sorts of tests. They've gone through all sorts of means. And they've just not been able to have a child as a family. And they would be more than eager to be the first in line to adopt some of those unplanned pregnancies if the mom feels as though she cannot be a fit mother or cannot raise the child for whatever reason. And so this movie that has just come out, by the way, it opened last week, was given an R rating. And it wasn't given an R rating because it had sex or violence or drugs or you know it, it, language, anything like that. But it, was sure, it, but it was solely given the R rating just simply because of the content of the movie. Is that fair? Is it unfair? I think it, it, after hearing some of the interviews about the movie, I think it's appropriate. Because it is a situation where because of legal limits, because of age limits on getting an abortion... This topic of conversation in a movie should be restricted to those over the age of 18. 
And so that's what the R rating was given for, that those in their preteens, if, if you're going to go to this movie as a 13, 14, 15-year-old, and you are of the age of where so many are beginning to be sexually active, then you need to be accompanied by an adult if you feel as though as an adult that this is an appropriate conversation to have with your son or daughter. But I certainly understood why the R rating, which again, everything I just described is the reason why you give an R rating to a movie because the 18-plus-year-old the or the adult figure has to deem it appropriate to bring someone underage, and they have to be responsible for them. But Abby has quite an amazing story. Ashley Bratcher has quite an amazing story as an actress and all that she has realized and come to throughout this whole process. And, and I want to encourage you to find out information about this book and this movie and this story that is being told. Because Abby's story is simply this. She says, and I'm quoting her, she says, in the age of the Me Too movement, where women are encouraged to tell their stories and to be heard, and where liberals are demanding the public trust women, I implore the nation to hear me out and to trust me. She goes on to say, There is such little tolerance for women on the national stage who don't agree with the hosts of The View or celebrities who march with Planned Parenthood. No one wants to be silenced, especially women at this time in our history. I think it has to go both ways. I agree with her. I think if we're going to hear from the voices of those who have been through challenges and difficulties on one end of the spectrum, we must listen to those that are on the other end as well. And Ashley is certainly saying it as an actor. Abby is saying it as an activist. And both of these ladies are saying this story needs to be told. The story needs to be heard that there is redemption from the pain, from the loss, from the confusion that goes into having an abortion, being told one thing even, even though the truth is something else, being fed a lie that the fetus cannot feel pain. It is an absolute lie. That child definitely can feel pain. The heart is beating it, it has fingers and toes. It, this child that is inside a mother's womb is a precious life in the eyes of God and should be protected. And, you know, so many people get, I would say, bent out of shape about this issue on both sides. But I think it takes patience, it takes grace, and it takes the grace of God to be able to hear out every single story because there are so many ladies, young ladies and unwed mothers that have been in these situations that need to be loved and heard out. They need to sit down with somebody who will be patient and listen to them. And every church needs to be equipped with young ladies in our church that perhaps they haven't been through this decision but they faced other decisions that perhaps this teenage mom or this unwed mother is walking through, and they need someone with godly counsel and wisdom and love and grace to put their arm around them and walk through this time with them. I think if there's a lesson to be learned about whether it's an abortion movement or a drug abuse movement or whatever type of of frustration that's going on in our community that we just can't seem to get a handle on, Instead of trying to fight fire with fire, let's fight fire with grace and let's fight fire with love and let's sit down with people that are hurting and let's point them to Jesus. Let's sit down and listen to people that are walking through some of life's most challenging moments right now and instead of pronouncing judgment upon them, let's point them to Jesus and let's tell them that there is hope in a broken world and let's let them know that no matter what, no matter how far away from God they feel, God's grace and mercy and his forgiveness is there. And I think for us as a community, we need to see healing happen. We need to be people that are proactive 
for pro-life, proactive for grace, proactive for love, proactive to listen and to love people even in their worst, most dark, difficult moments. Perhaps you have a story like that and you'd love to share it. I'd love to hear it. Please feel free, feel free to email me. My email address is randy at columbiabaptist.com. I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to know how God has delivered you through the ups, the downs, the ins and outs, the dark times, the bright times, no matter what it's been. I'd love to hear how God has been gracious to you. This is What's the Word? Every Wednesday, 6 o'clock, right here on 101.9 WAIN, 1270 AM. And thanks for joining me tonight. Hey, this is Pastor Randy Johnson. Thank you so much for joining me for What's the Word? That show airs every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock on 101.9 WAIN, right here in the heart of Adair County in Columbia, Kentucky. Or you can catch the replay of What's the Word on my podcast, which is called Walk This Way. And you can find that in several different places. You can find it at anchor.fm backslash walk this way on the internet, or you can find it on different apps and, and places that carry podcasts like iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast, and all sorts of uh, places you can find this broadcast, you can find messages that I've preached, and I just want to encourage you to make it a point to tune in, subscribe, and listen to all sorts of content that's on my podcast, which is called, again, Walk This Way. Thank you so much for joining me.